Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and every week during the academic year, I sit down with members of the Monmouth College community to talk to them about their interests, what they do, and things they've done. In his 32nd edition of Monmouth College Conversations for the 2022 2023 school year, we're going to visit with a Monmouth legend from a legendary Monmouth family, and that's retiring theater professor Doug Rankin. Doug will talk about what it was like to grow up a stone's throw from the campus, as well as work at the college for the last several decades. Eight decades, a member of the Rankin family has been associated with Monmouth College. It all started with Glenn Rankin from nearby Biggsville. Glenn was a star student and a star athlete who was a member of the class of 1943 at Monmouth. He also went on to become a star employee of the college, heading its admission and alumni program. Doug, one of Glenn's sons, followed in his father's footsteps, graduating from Monmouth in 1979. Doug's twin brother, Jeff, is not a Monmouth alumnus, but he had a more than 30 year distinguished career in the college's Office of Communications and Marketing. Doug also worked in the Monmouth Office of Communications and Marketing. Then after he earned a master's degree in fine arts from Northwestern University's renowned graduate program in theater, Doug returned to Monmouth where he taught theater and built amazing sets in the college's theater department. In fact, Doug's been the only professor to oversee Monmouth's Wells Theater Props Department, which opened in the early 1990s. There's an excellent story about Doug's career in the news and events section of the Monmouth College website, which you can read by going to monmouthcollege.edu news. Shortly after this year's commencement, Doug spoke at the quarterly gathering of the Monmouth Associates Luncheon, in which he recounted his time on campus, both as a young boy as well as a distinguished professor. After he gave his talk to the Monmouth Associates, I caught up with Doug, where he talked about what it was like to grow up on the Monmouth campus, be a student there in the 1970s, and then work as an employee. Well, 10th Street was a wonderful place to grow up because it was um, neighborhood kids. There were a lot of kids, a lot of things to do, but we spent our time on campus. We'd ride our bikes, we'd you know, sneak into buildings, we'd climb up on things, and it was uh, it was it was part of our life, you know, the college. And if it hadn't have been there, it would have been a totally different world for me. What's it like uh, having your your father work there for a number of years? And I imagine that had to just help recruit you to wind up at Monmouth College as a student. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, you know spending time like in his office um, we used to write like letters to the prospective students on their like automated typewriter and so I, I, w- I felt like I was already kind of part of the campus life just I mean as a young teenager doing things like that and then just spending time in you know the student center doing all these things going to plays it made me feel like it was part of it but then because my dad was there it was like wow he has a long tradition here since you know going here in the 40s um, I kind of want to keep that going and so that was one of my main reasons for not even looking at another college I decided I'm going to do this um, because I want to do it for him if, if not for me 
What was it like as a Monmouth student? It was the best time. The best of times and the best of times. Um, the 70s were um, a different world on campus. Um, it was much more free. There was, you know, you could get away with a lot of things. But um, the partying and things like that, besides the academics, were in a different kind of universe than they are now. Um, everything was free and open. Um, but we knew all the faculty. We knew, you know, we would we'd feel free to do anything with any of them. Um, there was nobody talking about lawsuits. You can't talk about this. You can't do this. Um, it was a little bit maybe too free at times, but it was um, it was a time of really liberal arts learning where we, we were experimenting with, you know, theater and music and things like that, um, along with just sort of the zeitgeist of the time, the music and all those things um, that were the 70s were, to me, like the iconic time to go to a small college like this. And it was more, as you said, than just going to class. When you went to a small college and when you went to Monmouth, the extracurricular was kind of part of the curricular experience. It absolutely was. And I tried to do a little bit of everything. I did soccer and cross country. Uh, My soccer coach was Bill Urban, who, you know, later was one of my colleagues. Um, Of course, Jim DeYoung um, and Bill Wallace and people like that um, that I got to be colleagues with later. Um, It was just kind of awesome. But I got to know all the old professors, and I didn't even get to mention in my talk today that I was fortunate to study under Bernice Fox and um, uh, Mary Crow and, um, you know, some of the really iconic professors that were nearing the end of their careers, but I got to do it. And then Eva Cleland, um, who they named Cleland Hall after, and Jean Liedman, um, they gave me books when I graduated. It was just a really special time to meet some of these historic people that uh, most people just see their names on buildings now, but to know them intimately was a really, it was an honor, it really was. When did you catch the theater bug? Well, I caught it in the mid-60s pretty much when I saw a children's theater show on the steps of Wallace Hall, and it was at night, and that was sort of more magic because it was just light coming from nowhere, and it was it was really cool. But then just kind of going to most of those shows in the 60s in the little theater, I was you know, caught up in it, and most of them probably were a little more advanced than I would understand because I was a kid, and they were some of them were you know fairly difficult plays, but then when they finally did um, a children's show in 1969, which was Renard the Fox. That got me really excited and I said in my talk today that I went to every performance and um, I just totally fell in love with the whole art form and the technical side started to uh, brew in my head then too because look what you can make. Look what you can make in a different world. You can paint stuff and build stuff and that's what excites me till today. You also mentioned your talk that you got a pretty good education in sort of, I guess, an, what may be a non-traditional way, working for the Green Army, that helped you in theater as well. Explain that. Oh, it really did. I I learned plumbing um, from like a master plumber. Um, I learned how to solder and do all that. I did electrical. I poured concrete um, with Roy Dober, who was the father of one of my fraternity brothers. Um, but that really got me thinking, you know, if I weren't in education, I would have been a tradesperson because I love to build. I love to see things um, in my head and then actually turn them into something. So in a way, my career as a tech 
person um, was much more, um, I don't know, it was, it was more part of me than being a, a professor because, you know, I could talk about it, I could teach people, but I never was like, I want to grow up and be a professor, I didn't want to be a teacher. That never even occurred to me, but that was a nice byproduct of being able to, you know, share some of the things I had learned in my life. You also got a lot of wonderful opportunities through your mama connections in theater as well. In particular, one alum from the 1930s really opened up a world to you. That's true. Helen Wagner was a wonderful person, and I got to meet her as a student and then um, as an, a, more of an adult um, acting in the first play in the Wells Theater. Um, as she played my wife, Eleanor, in The Lion in Winter, um, she was just the most uh, magnanimous person, and her husband, Bob, um, who was a producer on Broadway, um, they were just, they just welcomed me and uh, it was as I said in my talk being 20 or being 33 years old and having her being 72 and playing equally with her I thought it was going to be challenging but she was so um, welcoming and and treated me as just a fellow actor and plus they taught me a lot of things that I never knew about acting just because they're on a different um, scale um, doing TV TV acting I'd never even thought about um, didn't do a lot of TV acting in my life but um, um, I learned a lot from them. Was there a moment when you knew you wanted to be a theater professor or teach theater at, at college, or did that just sort of evolve over time? It evolved. Um, when I was working um, right out of college for the college as a public information officer and sports writer and things, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I thought, well, maybe I'll do that. But my dad, who was in the same office building, said, you got to go to graduate school. I said, okay, well, what do I do? He says, I don't know. What do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I can do theater. So I just started looking around, and um, I had always thought about Northwestern as being a really cool Illinois school. It was on the lake. It was just, and I just went there, and it just turned out to be like the best decision of my life because it was when that place was just blossoming. They just built this new complex, and I got to work with the best tools and the best people and meet some pretty incredible students. Like one of my students I was in my one of my uh, tech classes was Stevie, Stephen Colbert. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then just all the other people that I met. Um, then when I came back to Monmouth, I didn't have a job. Um, I was going to work for the newspaper, maybe. I didn't know. And then finally, they needed somebody. And so I was kind of stuck my foot in the door. And that's kind of how things go. You stick your foot in the door. And then, oh, we need you to teach a class. Oh, we need you to do this. And then with the new theater, they needed somebody to run this big place. And it just worked out perfectly. And I was there during the 30 years of some of the best theater I think Monmouth has ever done. You're listening to Monmouth College Conversations. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Office of Communications and Marketing. I'm visiting with retiring theater professor Doug Rankin. And a reminder that you can check out the college's 2023 commencement activities on the college's website. Just point your browser to monmouthcollege.edu slash commencement. That's where you'll find pictures, videos, as well as a story about this year's commencement weekend activities. Now let's get back to my conversation with retiring theater professor, Doug Rankin. One of the hallmarks of Mama's Theater is that it embraces a wide range of dramatic styles, playwrights, stories, and themes. 
Doug says, that's been a part of Mammoth Theater's DNA for at least the last three decades. That's right. Um, you know, and as a student, we did a lot of British theater, which uh, Jim DeYoung was an expert on. And I, I love that because I learned Shakespeare and all those things. But then as we moved into, you know, past the uh, millennium, we were looking at, you know, a lot more um, things. We did, Jim did uh, Top Girls, which was um, a pretty, you know, big show off Broadway. Um, all these different shows that had um, feminist uh, themes or, um, you know, racial themes. What We tried to do some things to just kind of, well, we didn't want to stick to one, any one genre, but we also wanted to educate the students that there's more out there than just what we did. Now, I wish we could have done more like Eastern theater, maybe Japanese or Asian or something like that. Um, we never really did because, well, I'm certainly not an expert in it, and I think... Um, we're limited. We only have, you know, so many people that of color or whatever that could do certain shows. But I think we tried to at least give um, the audiences in a small town like Monmouth a, a taste of all the different um, drama that's out there. And to me, as a designer, that was fun and challenging to do different types of costumes and different types of scenery. And it, it always just kept me thinking instead of just doing a box set for a British drama or something like that. What's been your favorite set or some of your favorite sets that you've created at Mammoth? Well, um, the earliest one that I remember vividly was Man of La Mancha, which was this huge um, prison that had a steel staircase that that rose up into the heavens in the smoke and all that. Um, that was when I first arrived. But since then, um, mostly, I think probably the musicals are the most um, challenging um, because like, you need to have sets that 30, 40 people can be on and things like Oliver was one of my favorite sets because it was just massive um, and colorful and that kind of thing. So um, I think I wouldn't want to do it every semester because it was exhausting, but the bigger, more colorful sets, especially I think for musicals, are some of the most challenging and most fun. You also, I guess, have to know what the right set is for the director's yeah. vision as well. And that, that's an important part of, uh, of, of, of scene work. It is. And having worked with so many different directors in my life, it's, it's amazing. Some of them, you don't even have to talk. You just know. Um, you have exactly the same sensibilities. Others, it's like, wow, okay, I never thought of that. Oh, okay. And sometimes it's push and pull throughout the whole process. Like, this is what I see. And, well, that's not what what I see and it goes back and forth but that's what collaboration is about um, so sometimes that's the you learn the most when you have um, you know either minor arguments or new ways of thinking about it um, but sometimes working with somebody that has the same sensibilities is like wow this was just so easy I just threw it together and it's exactly what you wanted so it just sort of depends but that's what's neat about working with different directors because they all are so different and um, they have different expectations and um, it's, it's a really good education uh, for somebody in my line of work. You've also directed plays. What are some of the plays um, that you especially enjoy well, directing? I, yeah, I've directed some plays that... Um, Dark of the Moon was one of the first ones I directed, which was done in the late 60s, or maybe it was the early 70s, um, and I wanted to revive it. And that, you know, had 
folk music. It had all this stuff. It was very moody. It was um, it, witches and things like that. And I really enjoyed that a lot. I loved directing a, the Pitchfork Disney, which was this really avant-garde, scary, um, creepy play with just um, two two main actors. Um, and that was done at the Fusion Theater in this tiny little space and then revived at the Wells Theater later. Um, and probably one of my favorite ones was one of the last ones I directed was The Wolves, which is about women soccer players and um, totally different. I mean, I did soccer when I was in college, but I knew almost nothing about women's soccer and bringing in one or two team actual players from our women's soccer team along with our actors and working out and kicking and it was it was a real fun time and uh, probably one of the most interesting plays I've ever worked on. What are you going to miss the most? Is it the deadlines, the all-nighters, or what is it? It's, it's definitely not the all-nighters. Um, of course, I'm one of the. I mean, I miss the people, of course, but I, I, one of the things I'll miss is my shop that I lived in for 30 years because I could build anything there, and um, I still like to build. But I'm, you know, kind of building a similar shop at home in my garage and stuff like that. So I'll be able to keep, you know, my hobbies up. But that was an incredible building to work in and when I think back it's like I'm the only one that ever ran this building and it's like what how could that even be because it's falling apart already it's it's a 33 year old building um, but you know it, it was a the perfect time to you know have a career and I'm still young enough that I'm going to enjoy you know coming to plays and you know doing theater in Monmouth and Galesburg I probably won't do as much because I don't really I've done that but um, I, I want to support the fellow artists and people that continue to do theater. What else do you plan to do in your retirement? Well, one thing I've been doing as maybe a hobby is uh, taking up brewing. Um, the Patent Block um, and De Novo beer is thinking of expanding, and um, I just took a class the other day in uh, Brewing 101 there. Um, I might, if, if things go well, I might work as um, sort of a, a manager person to do inventories and help them brew and, and distribute beer. I hope that can work out because that would be a neat hobby. Um, but other than that, I'm mostly um, working a lot um, on people's houses you know, tiling bathrooms and putting in electrical stuff and, you know, doing carpentry. Um, it's just, I got to use my hands and um, it's, there's a lot of houses in this town that need it and in Galesburg too. So that's going to keep me really busy probably until I fall over someday. That's retiring theater professor Doug Rankin looking back on his several decade relationship with Monmouth College. It's the child of an employee, a student at the college, and of course, as an employee of Monmouth College. You can read my co-worker Barry McNamara's excellent feature story about Doug in the news and events section of the Monmouth College website. To find that, just go to monmouthcollege.edu slash news. And that's a wrap on this 32nd episode of Monmouth College Conversations for 2022-2023. You can tell us what you think or add to the conversation by firing off an email to us at news at Be sure to put conversation in the subject line. Until our next conversation, this is Dwayne Bonner from the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day.